Here we go. Welcome into the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzine Vasugian, and we've got a lot to get into here on this episode. I appreciate you guys making time to download and listen to this episode. A bit of a change of plans with the podcast. I did say we were going to do the closing segments on this episode, but we are going to move that simply because this podcast, we've got uh, a lot to get into for very obvious reasons. Obviously, the Chiefs concluded their draft. We will go over their draft picks and a couple of key names from uh, undrafted free agents. I know some of that will be out of date by the time this gets published, but we can go over some of the key names uh, and even some notable names that you might be familiar, familiar with as far as undrafted free agents go, but I know the biggest reason that you guys are going to listen to this episode, the Tyree Kill situation, uh, since we last spoke, uh, we discussed the Frank Clark trade acquisition. And since that happened, uh, boy, a lot has happened since we've last spoke. So uh, we are going to get into the Tyree Kill deal. Let me just say this. I know there's a Chiefs podcast, I know there's a football podcast, but you guys know, you know, if there's something worth discussing, we're going to dive out into non-Chiefs football discussions here. This whole Tyreek Hill, uh, Tyreek Hill, excuse me, deal, it's obviously a big story, and a lot of it's going to be non-football, uh, so I'm just letting you guys know ahead of time, because I get complaints about that kind of stuff from time to time, and not that the podcast is going to change, I mean, look. It's a podcast. You're allowed to fast forward, rewind, do whatever you want. You can always skip over things. When I listen to shows on the radio shows on demand, I'll, I'll skip over some things. But uh, just letting you guys know, I mean, it's pretty obvious why we have to dive into these topics here with Tyreek Hill. Uh, audio has been released. Uh, KCTV5 obtained it. Uh, details have come out as to how they got it and how long they've had that for and why they had to wait so long before they could publish the audio, and the case has opened up. Actually, since we last spoke, the uh, Johnson County DA did not charge Tyreek Hill, so said there was not enough evidence, and now this whole thing is wide open again. And the Chiefs have suspended Tyreek Hill. In fact, there's already a fallout with Tyreek Hill, and I'll get to all of that later on. Facebook.com slash Farzine That is a Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Uh, I appreciate all the social media conversation. I wish it was all for something better. But look, this is how news works, man. Uh, negative stories like this. Uh, this is what drives the most discussion. You know, people say the media is too negative. Well, we'll look at their stories. Positive stories don't generally get lots of attraction, but negative stories do. So for people who want to say the media's Patrick Mahomes had all of the great things Mahomes has done, such as the, the announcement of his foundation, all the endorsements he's getting, that is the attraction that those kinds of stories got. And I can attest this on my Facebook page the discussions that have come up. The amount of reaction to that is nothing compared to the reactions for Tyreek Hill. I, I wanted to say that because I know people jump on the media for being too negative, and unfortunately, that's the case sometimes. That's the way the world news works sometimes. Uh, and I appreciate all the social media conversation. Again, as always, I've, I've enjoyed interacting with you guys. Uh, there have been a couple of bozos, but hey, uh, those are just a couple. Of, I get comments, all the all questions all the time. Why do you block people, bro? Well. I think this weekend was a great example why. I had one guy tweet me that I was 
Uh, basically, he said the podcast sucked and I was no good and I had no opinions. I'm like, bro, you don't even listen to the podcast if that's what you're saying. Then after I responded to him and laughed at him, he starts liking every single thing I tweet. And it's like, no, bro, you, you can't have it both ways. So I just blocked the guy. Uh, not that he said anything out of line, but look, I mean, don't say one thing and then start liking everything I tweet and start giving me uh, positive tweets to everything. You know, come on. Not the smartest person in the world, but I'm not dumb either. Uh, a lot we're going to get into. In fact, joining us at the end of the podcast will be Ellen Mathis. Uh, she is a writer for Arrowhead Addict. She is also a lawyer. And Ellen is going to give us her expertise on all of this. In fact, I shared an article on the Facebook page uh, pretty much describing the whole Tyree Kill situation. She broke it down into... Simple, plain English for all of us to understand, because I know sometimes with the legal terminology, the wording that's used, it's not clear to everybody, and that's okay. I mean, some people don't know all of the details, all of the uh, terminology that comes out for these kinds of things. Ellen did a fantastic job breaking that down. In fact, you guys responded uh, very positively to her explanation to all of that. Ellen's going to join us at the end of the podcast, and she will help us. Figure out what's going to happen uh, from a chief standpoint. What can they do? How do they tackle this kind of situation with Tyreek Hill? And even from a legal standpoint, we'll, we'll talk about Tyreek Hill and what's going to happen there. And uh, we'll also uh, talk a little bit of Chiefs football. Also uh, talk uh, draft as well. Uh, and speaking of the draft, that is where we are going to start the podcast off with. The Kansas City Chiefs obviously did not have a first round pick. This past weekend, that is because they traded that away for Frank Clark. But uh, they came away with some really good, talented players in this draft. Now, let me just say this, because not every fan, and I'm not talking just Chiefs fans, I'm talking all fans, not every fan is going to be happy with the picks. Uh, It's just the way it works sometimes. Uh, I remember certain picks in the past I was happy about, And they didn't pan out. There were some picks that I was not thrilled about. But they have done very well. I'll give you one great example. And I think a lot of people share my opinion. People don't want to admit to this kind of thing. But I'll go ahead and do it. I know a lot of people felt this way. I really wanted Deshaun Watson over Patrick Mahomes. And I remember a lot of Chiefs fans felt the same way. They all wanted Deshaun Watson. And then when... The Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes. I think Chiefs fans were still excited. I mean, I was happy. I, I was I was looking forward to it, but I did want Deshaun Watson. And I remember the next morning, everybody in the national media criticized Andy Reid for it. Well, look where we are right now. Patrick Mahomes, he and Deshaun Watson's had a great career up to this point. Don't get me wrong, but 50 touchdowns, 5,000 passing yards, and winning MVP. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs made the right move there. So keep in mind, I, I know Chiefs fans are complaining that two years in a row, Veach traded up in the second round to get a player he could have gotten later. How do we know that? We have no idea. The resources that fans and the media have, and I know people in the media do talk to GMs and scouts, but let's be honest, GMs and scouts are not going to admit their game plan or their true thoughts on certain players here. Uh that's they're they're not going to these scouts coaches general managers they all have far more resources than the media does and fans read from the media so keep that in mind when you look at for example the first draft draft pick McCole Hardman I got tweets immediately people saying well Veach didn't have to trade up for that player how do you know uh maybe the Chiefs liked him way more than DK Metcalf and they really 
wanted him and they found out somebody else wanted to get Hardman. So they made the move first. Uh, keep that kind of stuff in mind. One other thing that I do want to say before we start breaking down these draft picks. Obviously because of the whole Tyreek Hill deal. The Chiefs probably had zero intention of drafting a wide receiver in this draft. Or at least in the second or maybe even in the third rounds. Drafting a wide receiver. But this is why you talk to everybody. You talk to every single player that is entering the draft. When you go to the pro days, you keep an eye on every single player. Even the quarterback position. You never know, God forbid, if Mahomes gets into some sort of car accident. Again, God forbid. Hopefully not the case. But if that happens, you have to be ready to take the necessary steps to... Replace your quarterback if you need to, if you feel the need to do it through the draft. In the case of Tyreek Hill, obviously right now he is in a lot of hot water, so that probably threw a wrench in Kansas City's game plan. However, because they had kept an eye on every single player, including wide receivers, they said, look, we have a situation on our hands. We might need to replace this player, and that's what the Chiefs did. They went to uh, probably not even a plan C or a plan D. They had to go wait later in their backup plan scenarios, given what happened. Again, that's why you plan for everything A through Z, and the Chiefs did that. Uh, That's why they drafted McCole Hardman out of Georgia. In fact, they traded up five spots with the LA Rams, uh, also traded their fifth-round pick, 167th overall, to attain him. The Chiefs actually did that pick for a while in the uh, third day of the draft because they had traded away their fifth-round pick, but McCole Hardman, I think you guys are really going to like him. 5'10", 187 pounds, a junior coming out of Georgia. Had a 4.3340 time, and I know he stumbled on that one. Could have been faster, but even then, with that recorded 40 time, that's the fifth fastest, along with DK Metcalf, who I know some Chiefs fans wanted him. I did as well. He was also available at 61, where the Chiefs were originally at, and also at 63rd. He was in a DK Metcalf that is ended up being taken 64th by Seattle. Uh, but instead, the Chiefs went with McCole Hardman, uh, uh, trading up, getting a 56 overall in the second round. In 2018, as a junior, he had 35 catches for 543 yards, seven touchdowns, five rushes for 36 yards. The year before that, as a sophomore, 25 catches for 418 yards, four touchdowns, eight rushes, 61 yards, and a pair of touchdowns on the ground as a pun returner. These are pretty good numbers right here. 2017, 23 returns for 271 yards, 11.8 yards per return. In 2018, he had 16 returns for 321 yards. That is 20.1 yards per return. And also had one touchdown to go along with that. If you look at his ability as a kick returner, very good. He averaged 25.3 yards per return in 2017. In 2018, one point down, 25.2 in 2018. 28, uh, excuse me, 25.3 in 2017, 25.2 in 2018. So a very good kick return average. In fact, uh, word is Dave Tobe was very excited when the Chiefs drafted him. And I think under Dave Tobe, this is a player who will thrive as a return specialist. Under Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy's offense, this is someone who will flourish and become Kansas City's next offensive weapon. He is essentially Tyreek Hill's twin clone right here. 
as at least as far as on the field purposes go, hopefully the complete opposite when it comes to off the field, and we'll address Tyreek Hill later on. Uh, the issues with him, he does struggle with contested one-on-one passes, but he does rely on his speed to break through and not have to have those as much. And I think that's what's going to bode well for him. I know some criticize Tyreek Hill for that coming out of college. Doesn't have the flashiest stats either. And he is inconsistent with his acceleration and cut uh, cuts his routes off short at times. By the way, any of the analysis you hear, that is from Lance Zerloin of NFL.com. Keep that in mind if whenever you hear some of the analysis here uh, of what the scouting reports uh, say about him. But second team All-SEC twice in 2017 and 2018 was a USA Today All-American in 2015. Very fast. You want to name some of the fastest players in recent memory? Dante Hall, Devin Hester, Darren Sproles, Tavon Austin, Dexter McCluster, Jamal Charles, and yes, even Tyreek Hill. This guy has speed very similar to those guys. I think, uh, you know, what the Chiefs expected from Dexter McCluster, uh, Tyreek Hill has been able to do, and a lot of people are saying that McCole Hardman can be the next Tyreek Hill for Kansas City. And given the situation that we've got on our hands with Tyreek Hill right now, that appears to be the case moving forward. Hopefully that's what the Chiefs can get, especially if it comes to absolute worst-case scenario with Tyreek Hill, which it looks like it may be going in that direction. So Kansas City got a pretty good player here, uh, I, I think. And when you look at his 40 time, 4.33, as I said, fifth fastest along with DK Metcalf. Now, here's another guy who had a very impressive combine. That is the other second-round pick, 63rd overall safety, Juan Thornhill out of Virginia, who I think has the ability to start right away. You look at what he has, uh, the 22nd fastest 40 time with a 4.42. I'll tell you why that's relevant in a moment. 13 total interceptions in his college career, three as a sophomore, four as a junior, six as a senior. First team all ACC in 2018, third team ACC in 2017. Uh, Never had a pick six, but he is damn good at getting yards uh, returned off interceptions, 141 interception return yards in 2018, the fifth most, and that goes back to his 40 time of 4.42. As soon as this guy gets a hand on the football, he gets a lot of yards off that. Fifth most in the nation last year, tied third with several players with six picks on the field. Very good open field tackler, can challenge receivers with their routes. Former cornerback as well, so he has that versatility but is probably going to play mostly on uh as a safety in the in the secondary good size for an nfl safety six feet tall 205 pounds he has a 44 inch vertical that was the best at the combine this year does struggle a bit with some downfield deep passes slow to react to those at times and he could have issues with bait routes and play action passes in the nfl that's the uh scouting report there from lance zerloin and i think that is something that the coaching staff is going to need to work on with him. They know those weaknesses, and that's something that, you know, given Kansas City and how they use their offense at times, I think practicing against Andy Reid's offensive style is a great way to prepare for those kinds of things before you start playing those games for real in September. Moving on to the third round, 84th overall defensive tackle, Kalen Saunders out of Western. Oh, by the way, let me just say this about Thornhill. I think this is a guy, like I said, I think he could start right away. Maybe not in week one or two, but 
I think in week three he has a chance. A lot of people are saying, what about Jordan Lucas and Armani Watts? Well, Armani Watts, yeah, I know there was some potential there. People were excited for him, but he did have that injury, so we don't know uh, exactly if he's going to be ready, if he's going to live up to the expectation coming out of college. Uh, And as far as Jordan Lucas go, we didn't see enough of him uh, to say that, yeah, he should be a starter. And Dan Sorensen, I like Dan Sorensen. I know a lot of people don't. I think he's a really good player in rotation. Uh, I don't think he's a starting quality safety uh, safety in the NFL. I know he's played and started a lot lately because of Eric Berry's absence. And I think given his skill set and the amount that he has started unexpectedly uh, when he was probably expected to be in rotation a lot as a backup, he's done a pretty good job coming in. And I think that is something important you've got to keep in mind with with Dan Sorensen. And I think Juan Thornhill, because this is a thin group of safeties outside of Tyron Matthew, I think he's got a chance to start pretty early if he can impress the Chiefs in training camp and in preseason games and even early on in the first couple of games to start the season. So I'll say that about Juan Thornhill. But as far as Kalen Saunders go, uh, Kalen Saunders goes, excuse me, out of Western Illinois, He's going to add some depth to this 4-3 defensive line, especially in the middle right there. Six feet tall, 324 pounds from St. Louis. So any of you guys listening from there maybe have a little bit of familiarity with Kalon Saunders being from that area. Uh, could be above average depending how fast he works on his weakness. And he does have the ability to split double teams when he works in the A-gap. However, he does lack effort throughout the game due to conditioning that is what the blame is on he needs greater urgency to get off blocks and needs to be able to do that more consistently uh but he does have some flashy moments in his career he does have a receiving touchdown from 2018 and he's got a rushing touchdown from 2017 six and a half sacks in 2018 he had a forced fumble and a fumble recovery that year his best game was against north dakota state university a very good college football program Two and a half sacks. He had seven and a half sacks and three forced fumbles, plus a fumble recovery as a junior. 18 total sacks in his career. He also has a blocked field goal in 2016. That was against North Dakota State University. So some of his uh, more memorable moments have come against North Dakota State. First player from Western Illinois to get an invite to the Reese's Senior Bowl, and that is where he caught a lot of attention uh, at that Senior Bowl and definitely helped his case. In the draft. Round six, you look at who the Chiefs got. Uh, like I said, it was a while before they picked somebody else. They got cornerback Rashad Fenton from South Carolina. Uh, another area where the Chiefs are adding some depth here. 5'11", 193 pounds, 4.5240 time. Uh, good at anticipating routes. Has some value as a kick returner. So I think that is important to keep in mind. Tremont Smith, another cornerback who is a kick returner for the Chiefs. Uh, and again, given that Tyreek Hill. I know Tyreek Hill didn't return a lot of kicks last year. Uh, But given the situation right now, hey, look, you can use all the resources possible. And again, under Dave Tobe, uh, we had a season where I think three different players in 2013 took a kickoff or a punt back for a touchdown. So maybe the Chiefs have that kind of deal where they have different guys. I remember that year, I think it was McCluster, Niall Davis, and Quentin... Quentin James? I I, I cannot remember his... um... His full name, but Quentin someone who was a safety for the team. He also had a special teams touchdown that year, I believe. So uh, maybe this could be the the year where the Chiefs use different guys uh, uh, for kickoff returns and for punt returns. Uh, And Rashad Fenton could be a key part of that. 
As far as his cornerback abilities go, 34 tackles, 2.5 tackles for a loss and 3 picks in 2018. 5 career picks, 1 career forced fumble, and 1 career fumble recovery. Uh, by the way, I didn't mention his character stats. Only 2 punt returns in college, but 26 kick returns uh, in, co- in his college career. 646 yards, 1 touchdown, averaging nearly 25 yards per return. From kickoffs, another sixth-round pick, uh, running back Darwin Thompson from Utah State. Again, with these uh, with these rounds here, you're basically adding depth. 5'8", 200 pounds, junior, transferred from Northeastern Oklahoma A&M, where he was second-team NJCAA All-American and Conference Offensive MVP as a sophomore, rushing for almost 1,400 yards and eight touchdowns. All-conference performer as a freshman as well, where he had... Just a little more than 1,000 yards and 9 touchdowns. He had a state title as a high school senior in the state of Oklahoma. I know we've got some Chiefs fans listening from there as well. So uh, another uh, guy not too far from Kansas City, just across the street, to some people may be familiar with uh, if you follow high school football very closely. 16 touchdowns from scrimmage off just 176 touches in 2018. Uh, able to beat some of the smaller tacklers with his upper body strength. Here's the most exciting part about him. Viable pass catcher. That is huge for a running back under Andy Reid's offense. Does run with inconsistent tempo at times. His burst is below average and can be tracked uh, uh, and caught, uh, from behind by linebackers at times. And he only had one season playing in the FBS, being a junior college transfer. Generally players with his path, Winning a state title, but starting at a junior college and transferring, going to a small FBS school, they've got a bit of a chip on their shoulders and they have a bit of more uh, motivation. And those guys have a lot to prove. And look, again, sixth round pick, a lot for him to prove. So I think Darwin Thompson, maybe not a guy we see a whole lot in 2019, but I'd be very interested to see what he does in the preseason. And if that could translate into an opportunity for him to play more in 2018 or 2019, excuse me, in the regular season. The last draft pick for the Chiefs, it was in the seventh round, 216th overall, early in the seventh. Center Nick Allegretti from Illinois. All right, I'm glad we went after an offensive lineman, uh, but it's a uh, it's a little too late. Let me just say this: um, with with the center position right now, obviously you lost Mitch Morse. Who do you have right now at center? You have Austin Reeder, and you got a couple of guys who have kind of an uphill battle in terms of making the 53-man roster. Uh, it's Tajon Karoma and James Murray. As far as guards go, on the left side, you got Cameron Irving and Khalil McKenzie. Right side, you only have one player, and that's Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. There may be... Uh, uh, maybe Khalil McKenzie will be a backup for both guards. Um, maybe uh, a guy like Allegretti is going to be so versatile. I just wish they addressed this position maybe a little bit sooner. I do like the third-round pick in Colleen Saunders, but uh, I just feel like maybe they could have gone in a different direction with that pick. Maybe go for an interior offensive lineman, more specifically a center. And I don't know if a third-round... I mean, listen, we had Zach Fulton. He started, all, uh, I believe, all 16 games his rookie year. I mean, he started a lot of games, more games than we had expected from him. So we've seen offensive linemen in later rounds in recent history for the Chiefs, uh, play more than expected, start more than expected. Uh, so uh, you never say never. Even with a seventh-round pick, you never know sometimes. Um, I just wish they went went early uh, for an offensive lineman. Uh, it took a little longer 
than uh, I definitely expected. But as far as Allegretti goes, 6'4", 310 pounds, a two-year captain. Uh, one nice thing about him, four-year high school wrestler with good core power. Uh, and that's pretty good for an offensive lineman or even a defensive lineman or, or one of those edge rushers that has that wrestling background. That definitely helps their skill set in many ways. Uh, he has that guard center flexibility. Most interior linemen do, so that is good to have in Allegretti. Uh, a couple of weaknesses, he does lack foot quickness for blocking in space, especially at center when you snap the football and you want to be quick in that transition from snapping to blocking and staying on your feet the entire time, whether you're moving forward on a run block or you're in pass protection right there uh, because you're dealing with maybe not the best player from that defensive line. Maybe that is the case. But you're for sure dealing with the biggest players from the middle. And sometimes that uh, size mismatch, uh, if, if that guy is one of the biggest at his position, that can be pretty tough to react to in a quick manner. So that is something important to bear in mind, uh, especially with a center being drafted late in Allegretti. So that is your Chiefs draft. Look, obviously no first-round draft picks. I know Chiefs fans are not happy about that. But I, I like what the Chiefs are getting here. I think the Chiefs are getting some good players uh, players who can probably maybe not start right away, but they're for sure going to get a lot of playing time. I think the first three draft picks that you got here in Hardman, Thornhill, I think those two are going to play a lot. And I think Saunders is someone who's going to get a few snaps in that first game in Jacksonville. And as far as the last three picks go in Fenton, Thompson, and Allegretti, uh, I don't know uh, if Thompson is, I think Thompson could be a healthy scratch for a few games for the Chiefs until an injury occurs or maybe he proves himself or maybe you struggle at that running back position, which I don't anticipate. Um, Fenton's kind of an interesting one because he can be there as a kick returner. He'll probably be the kick returner that's opposite of Tremont Smith and... You know, you do need depth at that quarterback position. The Chiefs might have a lot of new quarterbacks this year. I think uh, Kendall Fuller is the only returning one, uh, or at least the only returning key quarterback. Uh, who who do the Chiefs have? You lost Stephen Nelson and Orlando Skandrick. You have Bashad Breland. Charvarius Char- Ward, of course. He's coming back. Forgot about him. Um, and don't forget about Keith Reeser, who played in the AAF. Uh, and then you have Demontre Wade, but I think he's one of those uphill you got an uphill battle uh, if you um if you want to make the 53 man roster so and look uh sometimes with these late round picks you do see cuts sometimes so you never know um most teams end up keeping their draft picks but i remember that the chiefs had kevin hogan at quarterback if you guys remember him uh he broke i believe all of andrew luck's records at stanford if i remember correctly and he still ended up being cut by the chiefs uh, after his rookie preseason. So uh, th- being drafted doesn't mean you stay. Kavari Russell, let's not forget about him. I believe he was a third-round pick uh, at cornerback and was let go a couple of games into his rookie season. Notable undrafted players for the Chiefs, quarterback Kyle Shermer out of Vanderbilt. He broke all of, uh, or excuse me, not all, but Jay Cutler's key records for passing yards and touchdowns which was 8,865 yards and 64 touchdowns. That is a difference of 168 yards and five touchdowns. He, You may recognize the last name. Yes, he is the son of Giants head coach Pat Shermer. Uh, if you follow Big 12 football very closely, it is Big 12 country around here. Gary Johnson out of 
Texas. The Longhorn had 90 tackles, 10th in the Big 12. He had two forced fumbles and was a key player for the Longhorns, not just on defense, but also on special teams as well. So in addition to being a full-time starter on defense, he had a, a lot of experience on special teams. You don't see that often. And I think for a guy who's undrafted, that really bodes well in his favor and that can help his chances of making a football team in September. Wide receiver Justin Hobbs out of Tulsa. He has joined the Chiefs. He played his high school ball at Shawnee Mission West High School. So a guy who probably did grow up. A Kansas City Chiefs fan. Uh, Maybe he did it. That's also possible as well. But he is from the area. He is uh, from uh, the Kansas City area. Played uh, at Shawnee Mission West. Uh, Also, uh, another quarterback who the Chiefs took. TJ Linta from Branford. He has signed a three-year free agent deal, according to reports uh, that I've seen on social media. So uh, a couple of uh, undrafted quarterbacks coming to Kansas City. Very interesting to see. How that pans out. You have Chad Henney, of course. You've got Chase Litton. And now you got Shermer and Linta as your quarterbacks. Uh, one of them will probably be gone by the time training camp starts. And the other one will probably compete with Chase Litton for that third quarterback spot. Uh, I know there will be a lot more undrafted free agents. But these are some of the more notable ones that came out. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine Visugin. Twitter.com slash Farzine21. All right, I know this is the part of the podcast that you are all listening for. Uh, And maybe you fast-forwarded to this point because you want to listen to the draft recap later, or maybe you don't care about that at this point. Everyone wants to hear about Tyreek Hill, and I'll I'll give my opinion on this. Uh, And again, uh, like I said, Alan Mathis will join me later to discuss the Tyreek Hill situation from a legal standpoint, from a chief standpoint, And is there a possibility that he still stays on this football team? Uh, We're going to talk about all of that with her. But for right now, let me just say this. And let me remind people one thing before I move on. Uh, Ellen, by the way, like I said, she's a lawyer. So she'll have that background uh, so she can weigh in with her expertise on all of that. That'll be very nice. That'll be helpful, of course, uh, because I am no legal expert. So everything that I'm discussing here, you know, I'll give my opinion based on what we know. Uh, But again, no legal expert here. But I just want to say one thing here. We all have common sense here. We all have a brain. We can all draw our own conclusions. Uh, We can have opinions on this. We don't have to be prosecutors. We don't have to be investigators or lawyers to break this all down. It helps for the legal terms. Again, that's why we're going to have Ellen on shortly. But as far as just... For the sake of having an opinion and just connecting the dots here, we can still discuss this and have an opinion. Now, I'm going to go in order here because there is a lot to unfold with the Tyree Kill situation. Let's go in order with everything we know so far. First, when this story broke uh, was in mid-March, there were two police reports at Tyree Kill's home in the month of March. One in early March and the other one was in mid-March. Um, the first one, uh, it included Tyreek Hill in the police report and his fiance, Crystal Espinal. That case was closed. The second report only had Crystal's name. We know it involves, uh, it involves his son's arm or something about his son, uh, which was reportedly broken his arm. That is, uh, now here's the confusing part. There is an Instagram photo of him 
from earlier this year in a cast. It is unclear when he broke his arm. But when we first learn about the incident, one of the first things we had saw before the report was Tyreek Hill posted a Snapchat video of his son dancing. And his arm appears to be just fine. Overland Park Police forwarded the investigation to Johnson County District Attorney and also Child Protective Services launched their own investigation last week. That's when this story really started to pick up. We learned Tyreek Hill and her fiancé temporarily lost custody of their three-year-old son. On Wednesday, the Johnson County DA announced a press conference regarding Tyreek Hill. And when we heard that there was a press conference on the way, people thought that for sure a charge was coming. Nope, not the case. He announced that Tyreek Hill will not be charged, nor uh, will Crystal Espinel be charged, because there is not enough evidence. The DA did say that he believes a crime was committed, but he doesn't have the evidence, nor does he know who to charge, whether it's Tyreek or Crystal, or both. Chiefs fans were thrilled with this. I saw people posting GIFs, GIFs, whatever you want to call that, of the peace sign. People, I, 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 someone posted a GIF of Homer Simpson having a drink in a swimming pool. I mean, people were thrilled that Tyreek Hill was not charged. Now, my immediate thought was, wait a minute, we got a we got a, a three year old whose safety is in danger. Let's not act like everything's all roses and rainbows here. The child has not returned to the parents. They still have temporarily lost custody of their... I mean, th- th- that part is still unresolved. The Child Protective Services investigation was still ongoing at that time. So this was not the end of it yet. A lot of people acted like it was and people were ready to move on. Now, the Chiefs did say they would not comment still because there was still another investigation with Child Services. However, a bombshell dropped on Thursday uh, when KCTV5 announced on social media that they have an 11-minute recorded conversation between Tyreek Hill and Crystal Espinal at Dubai International Airport. And people thought that was very sketchy for her to unknowingly, uh, for, for, from Tyreek's perspective, to have been recorded. Let me just say this, and I'll talk to Ellen about this because I think this is also an important part of the story. Uh, U.S. law says that federal law permits recording of a telephone-slash-in-person conversation with the consent of at least one of the parties. That is called a one-party consent law. Under a one-party consent law, you can record a phone call or a conversation so long as you are a party to the conversation. Now, I have done a... for a, By the way, the source for that, that's the Digital Media Law Project at dmlp.org. Uh, if you just Google it, uh, it'll be one of the first things that come up if you Google uh, one-party consent laws. Um, look, I'm going to get to the audio shortly. But let me just say this. I have recorded conversations with people for uh, print interviews, such as the Kansas City Star, Bleacher Report. But I, I, I'm allowed to record them because I am one of the party members, but I always take the uh, opportunity to tell them, hey, look, I'm writing this for print. I need to go back and, and listen to the interview for accuracy, for quotes. Uh, is it okay if I record this? And every single person who, I, who I've asked, they've said, hey, it's cool. Uh, you're not required to say that because you are one of the party members, but just giving an example of what that means. Now, after that, Brett Veach announced after the first round of the draft, they had contacted his agent, Drew Rosenhaus. They suspended Tyreek Hill from team activities. Veach said, 
he and the team were disturbed by what they had heard from the audio. Shortly after the presser, TMZ reported that Overland Park police showed up to Tyreek's home around 8.30 at night, roughly two and a half hours after the audio was released. Police said nothing exciting happened, according to the reports, even though two police units showed up. Uh, A later report stated that Tyreek was not even home when police arrived Friday night, or excuse me, Thursday night. Then, KCTV5 reported that Johnson County DA has reopened the investigation. They uh, uh, received audio from KCTV5 the entire 11 minutes. The entire 11 minutes is not public. KCTV5 only shared what we needed to know, and I will share that with you shortly. I'm sure you've heard it, but I do want to break it down and go piece by piece, so we'll get to that shortly. Um, But uh, Johnson County DA has reopened the investigation as of Friday mid-afternoon, and then this is interesting. KCTV5 reported late afternoon on Friday that the station has evidence that Crystal Espinal, quote, may have been assaulted this week. This was tweeted by Elliot Metz, who is an executive producer for Channel 5. That is a very vague tweet. KCTV, here's the, here's the quote. KCTV5 has evidence that Crystal Espinal, Tyree Kill's fiance may have been assaulted. What does that mean? You either have evidence that she was assaulted or you have a tip or a lead that she may have been assaulted. You don't have evidence that something may have happened. If you have evidence, then it happened. It doesn't mean may have happened. So I'm kind of confused about that. And they posted that again. That was Friday late afternoon. And I don't think there has been a follow-up story to that. Maybe they are still working on that story. I don't know. Uh, Clark Hunt spoke out on Saturday, and he said he was also disturbed. I know people are asking that if the Chiefs keep saying they are disturbed, then why is he still on the roster? Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk has been very vocal about this. Uh, In fact, he had made a comment saying he does not know if he can cover football the same way or even cover football at all. If the Chiefs in the NFL allow Tyree Kill to stay in the in the league, um, I was asked all weekend during the draft, why is Tyree Kill still on the roster? Listen, uh, I know that there is a three year old. Listen, me personally, I I I feel bad for this three year old. I'm looking out for his safety just as much as all of you. I I mean, I care about him. I do, and I hope that he finds a safety spot somewhere in his life right now. That's what he needs. At the same time, business must go on. The audio came out right before the draft. Here's why he's still on the roster. The audio came out right before the draft. An hour before, to be exact. Even though teams like the Chiefs did not have a first round, not every team has a first round pick. However, all 32 teams are still working. All 32 teams are still on the clock. Because they're trying to be active. They want to see if they can trade up, make a move, whatever the case may be. They're exploring every option. And even if you don't end up having a first-round pick, you still need to pay attention to the draft because of your draft board. So NFL teams were busy with the draft. As soon as their last pick was over by the Patriots, that is when the phone call to Drew Rosenhaus was made. Uh, Now, as far as the audio goes, it was recorded by Crystal Espinal. Uh, Tyreek does not appear to be aware that he's being recorded. She gave it to a friend for insurance policy purposes. Uh, 
but it was probably spread around to multiple people. Um, that way, other parties were aware. Uh, look, when you're when you're the only one aware of something very severe, you should probably let other people know about it as well. Um, that is speculation on my end. Just to be clear, it's uncertain who exactly Crystal gave the audio to, but that person gave the audio to Angie Ricono of KCTV Five. To be clear, Angie is not a sports reporter; she is an investigative reporter for that station. Now, they had it for weeks, and they probably held on to it to verify certain information with their attorneys, and I believe she told the Kansas City Star, Andrew Ricono, that is, that she did not publish it until she received the okay from her source. People have criticized the station because the audio right now is the biggest form of evidence that we have, and it was not given to the DA or anybody. Um... That is a story for another time. I'm not going to get into that because we've got so many other things to discuss here. Uh, I do agree. They should have probably informed the DA or police that they have this information. But uh, for right now, uh, we uh, I mean, they had it. And look, from a journalism standpoint, yeah, sure, ethics maybe need to come into place here. Especially when a kid's life is in danger. Um, but at the same time... The media is not the police. Now, KCTV5 did end up giving this to the DA. So they did end up doing that for those who were upset by that. Uh, In fact, they gave it before the public backlash came about. Uh, But let me just say this. There are people out there who think this is the biggest form of evidence. Very few are saying it's not enough. I say it is. What I'm about to play, and I believe a lot of you guys have already heard this. The writing is on the wall with what's going on here. All right, here's the first audio clip. Crystal is saying, why would a three-year-old say you broke his arm? And they go back and forth. Here it is. You're not listening to me. Think about why a freaking three-year-old would tell everybody and anybody that you broke his arm. Why would you do that? Then not, why? I'm the one that plays with him, maybe. That's why you don't do with him. I'm the one that get physical with it. No, I play with Hell of a lot more than you do. You just sit on your game all the damn time. That's all you need to do. So don't sit here and tell me I don't play with. You right. You right, bro. Like I said, I'm sorry for whatever happened. Because obviously this, this, this wasn't a match made in heaven, right here. You know what I'm saying? We don't need no beef. No, we don't. All right, a lot of people who have played audio in radio stations across the country. By the way, all this audio is courtesy of Casey TV Five, and you do hear you do hear some bleeping. Tyree Kill at one point used the N word. Um, there is some cursing involved in this conversation. Some of it's not cursing. Some of it is the three year old's name. And by the way, I think the, I mean, if there's at least something positive from a journalistic standpoint, this kid's name has not been made public. I don't think Tyreek and Crystal have ever made it public what his name is. Um, I think, especially given what's going on right now, that is a good thing. Because uh, that kid does not need that right now. Um, but here's the thing. She says, why would a three-year-old say you broke his arm? And Tyreek says, I'm the only one who plays with him. I'm the one who gets physical with him. People are playing this audio across the country and saying, well, Tyreek Hill's denying everything. Not necessarily. He did not deny nothing there. Now, he does say at some point, you know, you're right, you're right, I'm sorry for what happened. You can sense, look, again, we're not dumb here. 
you can sense a little bit of sarcasm right there. But for him to say, I'm the one who gets physical with him. Uh, boy, uh, I don't know what that means. But when you say you're getting physical with someone, uh, that's not a good thing. Not a good thing. Uh, the next cut uh, from this conversation, uh, Tyreek says, everywhere we go, my son loves me. And then she asks, what about when we get home? Tyreek's response is very interesting to this. Here it is. Everywhere we go, my son loves on me. Everywhere we go. And then when we get home, what and is we, it? And when we get home, it's for real. It's, it's serious time. It's time to lock in because he know I don't play. I want my son to learn respect, something that, that uh, you did not teach teach our son. And something that he will get his ran over in his work. Because, first of all, our son is black. These white folks don't give a about our kids. They don't. And you know that, bro. And that's sad, bro. Just things could have been handled a lot differently with him than the way that they have been now. Right. And these twins. Right. You got it, bro. All right. That's pretty disturbing. Um, I, I don't know what that means. Time to lock it in. Uh, I mean, it's it's unclear what that means exactly, but I don't think it, it has any positive meaning behind it. Um. They do go back and forth a lot. Uh, they accuse each other of the same thing, usage of belts. They both do deny that. Um, here's an important one. Crystal says she admits to lying to detectives. And now somehow this investigation got brought back up and you're about to lose your So Now I really want you to sit and think about it because I rode for you against nah. that detective and the CPS people. You really, really, really need to think about why says somebody somebody broke his arm and every single time he says it's you and then if i look at him he'll change his story because he because like he telling the truth then bro and that's sad bro so and then you sit here and tell me program bro no and then you sit here and tell me that i i'm not riding for you bro you You ain't riding for me in 2014 you damn sure ain't riding for me now bro all right, the end of that is hard to hear, but you can tell. I mean, the the recording is right next to her and not as, as close to him. Um, yeah, man. I mean, lying to detectives, uh, investigators—that's uh, that's an issue right there. Now, I will say, and I said this on social media, maybe she did it out of fear that he would hurt her. Um, not defending it, but. I think that's something that we do have to keep in mind. Um, I know people will still say that's no excuse, and some might say, well, I can understand that. I'll let you guys be the judge on that. Um, This is the last clip. Uh, She says that their son is terrified of him, and this is the infamous where he curses at her and says that he needs to be terrified or she needs to be terrified also. He is terrified of you. And you say that he respects you, but it's not It's he not respect. Me. It's terrified. He is terrified of you. You need to be terrified of me too. No. That's why you can't. Okay, again, I mean, there are times uh, he denies certain things, and so does she, but... Uh, I mean, if that's your response when she's saying that he's terrified and that's what you say, well, you should be terrified too. Oh, boy. Look, he's done. Uh, he can't stick around. Uh, I just don't see how this is possible. Uh, if the Chiefs play this card of, 
Well, unlike Kareem, Tyreek was honest with us, but if I'm not mistaken, reports have come out that this is the first, uh, the audio is the first evidence the Chiefs have received. They have not interviewed him about any of this. Uh, but if they do, for whatever reason, say, well, at least he was honest with us, which again, I don't think you can say that because apparently they haven't ha- had that. I mean, that would be horrible. Um, even today, I don't even know if I still believe that's the real reason why they re- released Kareem. Um, sure. Uh, I mean, publicly speaking, uh, the Chiefs say, I mean, Kareem did say that none of that happened, according to the Chiefs. I don't know if I believe them uh, for that reason, that public reason, but as far as the whole Tyreek deal here, um, like I said, he doesn't admit to some of these things, but he doesn't deny certain things either. The things he does deny, he's he he's not giving like a strong denial about it. Listen, if I was ever wrongly accused of something really extreme, I mean, I, I'd have a strong and firm denial about these things. Tyree kind of brushes it off. And it seems like he didn't care that he was accused of this. It's like, dude, come on. It's This is your fiancé of all people who is saying this. The mother of your child who's accusing you of child abuse right now. Um, I don't know, man. Um, I'd have a more stern tone. And let it be known that it is an inaccurate accusation if that was me in that that position. But he doesn't do that. Many Chiefs fans felt there was a lack of evidence to charge Tyreek and they agreed with the DA. I did as well, but I I said, man, this is not right. Something does not add up here. People would not just take custody of, of a child away temporarily, sure, but they wouldn't just do that. That's a pretty serious thing to do to take someone's kid, especially at that age, away from them. But then the audio came out and a lot of people changed their stance on Tyreek Hill. In fact, they have a stance against Tyreek Hill. Lots of people, lots of Chiefs fans want Tyreek Hill off the team. There are very few, shockingly, defending him, saying we still don't know what happened. We need more evidence. What what do do you need? Um, the people defending Tyreek Hill just want to refute everything Crystal accuses Tyreek of, but I, I've gotten emails and messages from people saying that Tyreek accuses her of using a belt, and they are taking his words as fact. Folks, I understand some of you have your precious fantasy football keeper leagues, and Tyreek Hill's a part of that. Screw your pretend football teams, and screw Madden, screw Super Bowls, because the three-year-old safety is far more important than any of that. Look, I love this football team as much as all of you, but there are bigger, more important things going on right now. And we cannot just take his word because he is a fan favorite. To clarify one thing, I think they're both at fault here. And the NFL must ban Tyreek. They won't. They they, they just won't. Um, We've had other instances. Kareem Hunt, Adrian Peterson, uh, Ray Rice, surprisingly. I I mean, given what's happened with Kareem and, uh, and Adrian... Uh, Ray Rice, for whatever reason, couldn't get a job. But um, listen, if Tyreek Hill gets a one-year suspension, that's a slap on the wrist, man, in my eyes. It just is. A one-year suspension it is nothing. If that's the punishment you get from all of this, that is nothing to me. Again, just a reminder, I have no legal experience like 99% of you guys. 
and I'm not going to pretend like I do. I'm not going to pretend like I'm an investigator or any of that. But we do have common sense. We do have a brain. And, you know, I have this ability called connecting the dots, just like all of you guys do. Uh, you guys can do the same thing. People want to hold off judgment with Tyreek Hill. And I get it. He's a fan favorite. He's the best player not named Patrick Mahomes on the team. But if this was your next door neighbor, in fact, I'll even take this elsewhere. If this was an Oakland Raider, you would be very quick to criticize this person, this player. And you guys would wish negative things upon this person. But because he plays for your favorite football team, some, very few actually, want to hold off judgment because they don't want to criticize their favorite player. They don't want to form any opinions because he's a fan favorite. A fan favorite is involved. I mean, listen, there were people who defended Kareem Hunt for pushing a woman, pushing another person aggressively into her and and kicking her while she was down and saying, well, you can't really call that a kick. Look, if that was you in that position, I mean, everyone would be calling their lawyer the next morning. The reason she didn't, I mean, that woman wasn't in the clear either. Don't get me wrong. And I don't mean to revisit this whole thing, but uh, Kareem did handle it well at one point, kicking her out of the apartment or hotel, whatever that place is. Uh, But then the way it all concluded, that was how he handled it poorly and got kicked off the team. But going back to Tyreek, the small portion of Chiefs fans who are putting a shield around Tyreek want more evidence. What else do you need at this point? What common sense... I mean, what part of common sense tells you he is not guilty right now? Because he says a lot in there that really, to me, says, all right, the the child should absolutely not be with you. And we know you're not very stable at this point. Uh, Listen, I know the Chiefs in the NFL wanted to help Kareem Hunt even after the the release. And they, regardless what happens with Tyreek, they probably want to help him out. But the NFL can play this card all they want. They honestly have no no obligation nor any strong interest in Crystal Espinal's activity here because she's not an employee of the Chiefs. Tyreek is, on the other hand. He needs to be banished. It won't happen. And look, I don't care if a division rival or the Browns and the John Dorsey connection there pick up Tyreek Hill. I don't, I don't want to see him as a Chief at this point. I didn't want to see him before, but I said, hey, look, Andy Reid's given second chances before with Michael Vick. I think we should stand behind him on this one. And I was a big fan of Tyreek Hill's progress, man. Uh, Andy Reid complimented Tyreek Hill uh, publicly uh, his rookie season, saying that he came to Kansas City with the incident. He has done everything we have asked him to do. And he was making progress. And I was happy for him. I really was. Uh, look, man, I know people personally who have dealt with abuse or have had to watch abuse in a household. It's not fun. Uh, their stories sucked to listen to. And it made me sick to my stomach hearing those stories. Um, I'm sure somebody, whether you know it or not, you know at least one person who has been abused or has lived in a household with plenty of abuse. And people don't want to admit this stuff man because they're too scared of what the backlash is going to be within the family or if they'll be too embarrassed to show themselves in front of their friends or other family members again because they admitted to this or someone else in the family admits to this uh so this is a very serious issue man uh this this goes on quite a lot uh not just with Tyreek Hill but with um with your average people as well Listen, I, I really hope the Chiefs can show their ethics here and 
so can the other 31 teams by cutting him and nobody wanting to sign him. Because here's my thing, man. And I don't mean to bring this topic up. And I'm sure you guys know what I'm about to say. But if Colin Kaepernick cannot find a job because of his peaceful protest, why should Tyreek? And please do not tell me that he was on a bad football team the last year that Kaepernick played. Because there's still no doubt that Kaepernick is better than some players in the NFL right now. By this point, he's been gone too long. But even then, I think he's still better than some backups in the NFL. But you cannot tell me that Kaepernick does not deserve a job for protesting and kneeing during the anthem. Yet Tyreek Hill should. There's no logic that will that will let that pass for valid reasoning. There's no way. This is not rocket science here, folks. It's just not. But someone's going to do it. Either John Dorsey, because of his connection to Tyreek Hill, or a team that is absolutely desperate of a wide receiver. Um, Listen, I have no idea how someone connected to choking their pregnant girlfriend with their own child. uh, I don't know how a person like that could be welcome in a locker room with this child abuse incident now tied into it. And for people who are saying, give him a second chance, he did. Being drafted was his second chance. Getting to this point was his second chance, man. And he blew it. There's there's already a fallout right now. The Chiefs have suspended him. The Chiefs used their first draft pick on a wide receiver. That is very, very telling to me. If you think that's just a coincidence, oh boy, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Not only those two things, Pro Camps organized a Tyreek Hill youth football camp for June the 1st and 2nd at Shawnee Mission South High School. They have dropped Tyreek Hill. He's no longer on the photo. They just have a generic photo. It's now called Kansas City Football Pro Camp. These things would not happen if... The Chiefs and Pro Camp felt Tyreek Hill didn't do it. I don't know what endorsements he has with any clothing companies. Um, but I think those companies are going to part ways with Tyreek Hill as well. They're going to distance themselves from Tyreek. Denny Welniak says uh, of KCTV5, she is a sports reporter. She was at the draft in Nashville. She said she spoke to an NFL agent. And he thinks that the Chiefs have no choice but to cut him. Adam Schefter of ESPN said that his career is in jeopardy and he and his fiance should uh, face, and they're expected to face, criminal charges. That is a lot right there. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine 21. That's a lot to take in. Uh, a lot of things we just discussed with Tyreek Hill. Uh, you guys heard the audio. Uh, and like I said, the fallout has, has begun with the Chiefs suspending him taking a wide receiver for the first draft pick, and uh, the uh, football camp that dropped Tyreek Hill. Uh, And joining me right now to help us break this all down, Ellen Mathis. She is a writer for ArrowheadAddict.com. She is also a lawyer, so her expertise definitely will help us out. You can follow her on Twitter at Ellen underscore Tolzma. That is spelled T-O-L. SMA, but uh, she's got to change that real soon because Ellen recently got married. Ellen, congratulations. Welcome into the podcast. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Are you going to change that username soon on Twitter? 
Yeah, if I can figure it out. I'm not terribly tech savvy, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm not either. Um, I wanted to put my name as Farzine Vesugian on Twitter, but that's one character too long, unfortunately. So. Oh, didn't know they had character limits. Yes, they do. Uh, that's what happens when you have a long, long name like uh, Vesugian, but... Uh, we're not here to discuss that. By the way, um, cool story. I think uh, you and I joined Arrowhead Addict along with another writer right around the same time. So you and I have both been writing for Arrowhead Addict uh, for about the same time. Yeah. And uh, you put out a really great article last week talking about the Tyree Kill situation and what it means in simple English terms, uh, which, by the way, a lot of the listeners uh, commented on that on our Facebook page, and they really liked that. Uh, but since then, a lot has happened. The Johnson County DA, uh, they could not charge Tyree Kill. They wanted to charge Tyree Kill, uh, or well, they wanted to charge him or his fiance. They didn't know who, and they didn't have evidence. Um, let's start right there because to, for the DA to say that he believes a crime was committed, but doesn't know who to charge or doesn't have the evidence for it. What was your reaction when you heard that? You know, it's not that surprising. Um, a lot of times in cases like this where it's a he said, she said, or the victim is too young to talk, um, you're going to have a DA who says, you know what, a crime was committed here. But because the burden is so high in a criminal case, beyond a reasonable doubt, it's really, really tough for a DA to be able to say, I can absolutely win this in front of a jury. Um, the fact that he actually said that out loud was a little surprising, but the sentiment, that's pretty typical. Um, a lot of these cases, you just, you know, you have a, a very clear um, crime, but you just can't prove it in front of a jury. And that's, that's the, 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 what that is, is because of our, our justice system that, um, you know, you're innocent until you're proven guilty rather than the other way around. So the audio that came out, this came out right before the draft, which I guess it was inconvenient, but at the same time, it kind of was convenient because the Chiefs then knew what to do. We had Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest join us uh, last week, or uh, yeah, last week, right before the draft. And uh, I asked him, you know, and this was before the audio, we learned about the um, uh, temporarily losing uh, custody of his child. That was the last thing we discussed with him. And he said, hey, look, are the Chiefs in position where they have to draft out of fear? Uh, obviously not the case. And I, and I do want to talk football and draft with you a little bit later. Uh, but as far as the audio goes, this is what caused Kansas City to suspend them and go in a different direction with their draft board. But uh, let's start with this. One of the audio clips I played, in fact, the first audio clip we played, uh, Chris Espinal, the fiance, she's questioning him. Why would a three-year-old say you broke his arm, and then he says, because I'm the only one who plays with him, I'm the only one who gets physical. He says that on here, but at some point, they're just going back and forth. He says, you're right, you're right, but you can sense a little bit of sarcasm in that. When when she brings that up, he does not deny that in this, in this part of the conversation here. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be how does the jury react to that audio, because I think there's a lot of things that you are going to have to factor in on what criminal charges can be pressed and what can actually be proven. Um, you know, the first thing is, is, is the audio authentic? Um, and I think we're, we as listeners 
to this audio. I think we believe it's authentic, but there's a, a certain standard where it has to be proven in criminal court. Um, and so authenticating that recording um, and the chain of custody of it will be an interesting burden that the DA is going to have to deal with. Um, on top of that, you're going to have a defense attorney for either Tyreek or Crystal, depending on what's charged. Um, and their job is going to be to poke holes in it. So, you know, saying that she trapped him into saying these things, she led him into saying these things, he was joking. All of those are defenses that can just give you a little bit of doubt enough to um, make those charges be, you know, you won't get convicted. Um, so, the, so it'll be interesting to see if that audio actually does bring some charges. A couple other highlights from the audio. Uh, this is the one that got the most attention. Uh, she keeps saying that their three-year-old is terrified and his response uh, is, you need to be terrified of me too, bitch. He, he doesn't say, he doesn't question why would he be terrified. He says, you need to be terrified of me too, meaning, I, I mean, if you know English, he's basically saying, yeah, not only is he terrified of me, so do you. How, how does a jury react to that comment? You know, not well. I mean, I, when I heard that, uh, when I was listening to it the first time, it was sick to my stomach. Um, because that's the that's the language of somebody who is a a serial abuser. Um, that's somebody that's that's abuse right there. Um, <laughs> if somebody said that to me, I would be terrified. Um, I don't know if it, it could be that the jury doesn't hear that part. Um, sometimes uh, it could be considered too prejudicial, and it could be kept out. It'll be interesting to see if the jury actually gets. The entire audio, um, from the DA's standpoint, they're going to say the jury needs to hear it all in its entirety. Otherwise, the context is lost. Um, but the defense could say this is way too prejudicial. He obviously he wasn't hurting her at the time, so it, it doesn't make sense to play this. Um, but if a jury hears it, um, I, I would be I would be scared for Tyreek. I, I think he would face some jail time because. It shows that he has a history of abuse, a pattern of abuse, um, and that he's, he's intimidating the mother of his child. And that could tend to show um, that, that he might have actually abused his child and broken his kid's arm. So here's another very interesting part in the audio. Uh, they're just going back and forth. They're talking about uh, using they, – they both accuse each other of using a belt – um, there's a lot of denial in this in this conversation here, but something on here that Tyreek does not. Uh, I mean, I mean, Tyreek doesn't call her a liar for this. He actually is agreeing with her when she when she's saying this. Uh, Crystal admits to lying to the detective and the uh, child uh, protection services people. Uh, she admits to that. And then Tyreek made some comment to Crystal saying, well, you didn't lie in 2014. That's what you referred to, his history, uh, when uh, she was pregnant at the time and he had choked her. So this is interesting here. And I, I know this opens a can of worms for Tyreek, too, because the DA can reinvestigate and say, hey, look, uh, I mean, we, we were lied to. We got we to gotta question you again. But from Crystal's standpoint, she did lie. Now, let me just say this before I let you answer this. I've, I've said this about Crystal. I'm not defending her. I'm not saying it's right. But given what's happened to her in the past, she probably did lie out of fear because if she did tell the truth, 
uh, whatever the truth may be, maybe Tyreek would have hurt her again. Uh, Your reaction to all of that? Yeah, I mean, so it's a lot to unpack because I I do think she probably lied to the DA. Um, To what extent, I don't know. Um, To what what did she lie about? I don't know. Um, I think... I think she's facing some charges for not not cooperating and not and and lying um, because you have to assume that you know when she's waiving her rights um, when she talked to detectives that she probably said that you know this is true um, and so she's she's really in trouble with that. Um, how do I think that that'll play for Tyreek? I mean, he's just gonna he's just he looks terrible. He looks like he's abusing his kid regularly, that he's manipulating his fiance to lie for him um, to avoid charges. This is terrible. This is bad for him. Um, I, I don't see a case here where he doesn't face some sort of charge that he either has to go in front of a jury or he has to strike a plea deal with the D.A., now, some people are saying that because she recorded this without him knowing, it comes off suspicious, and she's tr- uh, trying to frame him and just trying to make him look bad and trying to see if she can get out of this from a legal perspective. Uh, I mean, what is your reaction when you hear people that are still defending Tyreek saying that she's trying to set him up and he's still innocent at this point? So I have personally worked on cases where I have had clients record people um, I had one specifically where we were attempting to get custody of children, custody of a child for a father, um, because the mother had some issues and, uh, his, the father's grand, or the father's mother. So grandma to the child, um, actually, uh, recorded conversations she had with the mother and the mother actually threatened to kill the judge in a conversation, um, it wasn't prompted. She did, the, the grandmother didn't say, well, don't you just want to kill the judge? Uh, the mother was just ranting. Um, and so she had no idea that these recordings were happening. Um, and we used them in court, and it hurt her. Uh, so people do this all the time. Um, a lot of states, and I don't know, I haven't looked at what Kansas's laws are, but I would guess it's probably a one-party consent state. So Crystal was consenting to the recording. So well, let me let, let me just say one thing, and I, and I apologize for cutting you off. This was recorded. This was recorded in Dubai. Mm-hmm. So does that make a difference? No, it's not going to make a difference. Oh. I really don't think so. Okay. Um, I would. I mean, where you are physically when the recording happens, I don't think matters. I think what matters is where are you being charged um, for all of this. So I, I don't think that will matter. Um, and so, you know, Tyreek's not going to have a defense saying, well, I didn't agree to this recording. Um, and, you know, she's – the DA will have to explain why this recording is happening. And that may be um, having Crystal testify or having whoever released this recording to KCTV5 because it wasn't Crystal. It was somebody else. Yeah, Angie, Angie Ricono. Well, whoever the, it, 
yeah, it was at KCTV five with Angie Ricono, but whoever the source was, it wasn't oh, okay. Crystal. Um, it was a friend of hers because from what I understand, Crystal was afraid to keep this on her phone because she thought, you know, Tyreek might see it and delete it. So she sent it to friends as her quote unquote insurance policy. And the friends, when they found out that the DA wasn't going to press any charges, were concerned for the son. Um, and that's when they sent it to KCTV5. And um, that source may have to testify. Uh, they may have to say, oh, this is what I know um, about this recording. It's just, it's a lot. Ella Mathis joining us here. She is a writer for Arrowhead Addict and a lawyer giving us her expertise on all of this. I don't know uh, how well you can maybe answer some of these next couple of questions regarding the chief side of things. Uh, now, let me just say this. I've gotten a lot of emails and tweets, Facebook messages. Why is Tyreek still on the team? They cut Kareem Hunt so quickly. I think people need to keep in mind, even though they didn't draft in the first round, they didn't have a draft pick. All 32 teams are working. They got to pay attention to their draft board. This came out literally an hour before the draft. So, uh, I mean, they're they're busy. I, I understand a three-year-old safety is important, but at the same time, these guys have a big job to do. The NFL draft is not going to be be paused for all of this. They have to go about it. But what they did do right after the final pick, they contacted his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, and said, hey, look, he's suspended. He cannot come to the facilities. Um, and a lot of people are wondering. Adam Schefter did say his playing career is in jeopardy, and he and his fiance are expected to face charges. But just from Tyreek's side right now, uh, the draft is over and it is, keep in mind, uh, for people listening, it is Saturday night. So he's still on the team right now, but, uh, Sunday, I mean, it's, it's not a work day yet, but Monday we can probably expect more motion with all of this. What do you expect to take place? And do you, what do you think the chiefs are going to do? Because I feel like, again, not, I'm not a lawyer like you are, but I think they're going to contact, uh, Tyreek, his agent, his attorney to verify the audio and, and maybe ask some questions, basically do their homework and do their due diligence before making a big decision. I'm sure the NFL will as well. How do you think they approach all of this? So I think, I think the first thing is that I think this situation is slightly different than Kareem's because with Kareem's, they were aware of the situation long before and, um, Kareem, I believe told the chief that he stayed in the hotel room. He never left. And then the video came out, and it was clear that he had lied. They didn't have to, you know, authenticate a recording or anything like that. Um, and so it, it, was, it was the lying that got Kareem cut. Um, now with Tyreek, uh, you know, he, I don't know what he told the Chiefs, but what I think I read is that Clark Hunt today said that the, the recording was the first piece of evidence they had been given in the entire investigation. That's so they don't have a lot. Um, and so they're definitely going to want to do some digging because, I mean, Tyreek is an incredibly vital part of the offense. And so they're not just going to cut him on a suspicion. They're going to want to make sure that they're cutting him with a reason. Now, I think the reason's there, and I do think it will happen. Um, but you also have this weird and problematic um, issue in the NFL where you know, Tyreek is on the Chiefs team. The Chiefs can cut him. Another team can sign him, and it does nothing. The Chiefs don't get anything, and another team will benefit. Um, we saw that happen with Kareem, and 
pains me because I mean he's making more money now, and he's gonna go. He's gonna serve his suspension, and he's gonna play for the Browns. And we all know how great Kareem Hunt is. Imagine if that happens for Tyreek. If he even if he's suspended for a year, and then he is able to come back. I mean, some team is gonna be paying him very little money to be an incredibly effective piece of their offense. Um, and so the Chiefs are going to want to evaluate this really carefully uh, because I think they got burned a little bit on Kareem. Um, now, I, I think he should have been cut because I don't think you should kick somebody. Um, and I think Tyreek should be cut. But, but there's a lot of things to consider, especially with where the Chiefs are at in a potential Super Bowl run. Uh, you're on Patrick Mahomes' rookie contract. It's really hard not to want that that's for both. Yeah, no, and I, I fully agree with you. And, and look, Adrian Peterson, we know what he did. He is still playing in the NFL. Now, granted, I, and I don't want to sit here and rank all these horrible situations, what's worse, what's not, but it, it doesn't sound like it's as bad as Tyreek's situation. Um, uh, but the NFL does just have this mantra where, uh, hey, look, if you have that superstar talent, okay. Yeah, and by the way, I said this before you came on. If... If they give him a one-year suspension, that is a big slap on the wrist. If I'm Tyreek Hill, I that that is probably the best thing that can happen in terms of a consequence. Like you are going to come back, and everyone's going to want you. So, I, do you think there might even? Let me just say this: Clark Hunt and uh, Marty McDonald, the guy who founded Save Our Chiefs, he flew the banners all around. We had a big tell-all with him. He was on our podcast, and he heard he heard a lot from the Chiefs, and he knows for a fact that uh, Clark Hunt does not like negative PR. I don't think any NFL team does, but it's a pretty big issue with Clark Hunt. Look at the Javon Belcher situation. Uh, They were very quick on on the Kareem Hunt deal, and now here's another situation on your hands. But as you said, you were the third highest scoring offense in NFL history. Yes, Patrick Mahomes deserves all the credit, but the way this offense is is put together, Tyreek Hill creates a lot of mismatches for all 11 players on this offense. Do you think there might just be a slim chance because of his rare playmaking ability that maybe he just stays on the team because there's no other Tyreek Hill out there? I I think there's a slim chance that happens. I mean, the Chiefs have had an image problem for a while. Uh, You've got the Javon Belcher incident, which was horrific. Um, Then you... You know, you draft Tyreek Hill. You have Kareem Hunt on your team. Now you've had him, but you still had him on your team. And then you have Tyreek have this happen. Then you bring in Frank Clark, who has a checkered past as well. I think the Chiefs are sending mixed messages here because they continue to bring in guys who do have some questionable past, and it doesn't seem to matter until – there's a lot of outrage, but I think the outrage is also weighed by how good the player is. So it's, it's a, I think there's a chance he could stay on the team, but I don't think he's going to play this next year at all. Um, I, he's not going to play, but people have very short memories. Um, and they may forget the next time he throws up that peace sign when he's taking back a kick return. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, look, I- I'm guilty of it as well. I was angry about the draft pick, but 
uh, and I will say this, and I like I, this is also something I mentioned before he came on. I, I I was a fan of his progress. I loved hearing that he was making strides. The Chiefs publicly praised him for all of that, but um, unfortunately, uh, I mean, he had to have known that even right now they're still keeping a close eye. I mean, before this incident became public, that everyone's keeping a close eye on him, and and he's kind of on a one strike situation right now, and this this might be it for him. So. We'll see how this all uh, pans out. Let's talk something positive, at least for right now, to 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 wrap up uh, the Chiefs draft. Look, I, I know there was not a first round pick for the second year in a row, but I think the Chiefs found some really good players. They have McCole Hardman, who had the fifth fastest forty time. They got Juan Thornhill, also in the second round, the best vertical uh, from the combine this year. They've got a couple of guys. I don't know if they're going to start in Jacksonville when the season gets underway for the Chiefs, but. They're, they're going to play a lot in that week one game, hopefully no injuries, but even after that, I think a guy a guy like Juan Thornhill, I think he can start pretty early because this is a thin group of safeties, and McCole Hardman, given Sammy Watkins and his injury pass and Demarcus Robinson, I think he can start, but we don't know that for sure right now. We got a couple of guys that might be... Uh, at the end, of, at the end of it, they, they might be able to prove they were first round draft picks. Uh, what is your biggest takeaway with um, with the dra- with the draft, and who who do you think can make a big impact early? You know, I, I really, really, really like this draft. I think the Chiefs identified every single place where there were weaknesses and drafted um, people that they thought could fill those holes. Now, I also know, you know, the draft is a big gamble. You have no idea if these players are going to produce in the NFL so we'll see but I love what the Chiefs did they were aggressive but not too aggressive which is something that I've kind of watched Brett Veach for because sometimes I wonder if he he likes the guy if he's almost too aggressive sometimes but I like jumping up to get speed um, at the wide receiver position because I'm I'm operating under the assumption that Tyreek Hill is not going to be in a Chiefs uniform ever again that's the that's what I'm operating under and one of the biggest things that Tyreek offers is the ability to stretch the field. And if you have a speedy threat, even if he's maybe not quite as good as Tyreek, he's still a threat. So I really like adding Hardman. I also really like um, Saunders, the defensive tackle. Um, well, first of all, he's huge and can do backflips. Incredible. <laughs> but I also think he just, He's a really aggressive player, and I love the depth that we have now on the defensive line. Um, I think that's something that Spags really likes, and it makes me really excited to watch these guys play because I see attitude, which is something I think our defense has lacked. Um, I, I can just imagine Arrowhead so loud and the defense out on that field with Chris Jones, Frank Clark, all of these rookies, and they just have this swagger. Um, and so I, I like that the Juan Thornhill and I like um, Saunders. I think they bring something. Um, so I, I'm excited about the draft. I really am. Um, I'm okay with not having a first-round pick if if our defense is walking around like <laughs> they're going to beat everybody up. Yeah, this is, this is kind of interesting. I mean, the defense obviously – Horrible. I was talking to uh, one of my followers on Twitter, and he talked about you know how bad the scheme was, and uh, I mentioned that the AFC Championship game. There was one play where Tom Brady had four open players, and he threw it to like the worst player possible. I'm like, 
that that could have been worse. That could have been way worse. But uh, yeah, I, I'm really shocked, Ellen, because this defense went from being really bad. I know it's only on paper, but you, I mean, you mentioned the defensive line and the depth there. That that was probably your biggest weakness last year, especially how you did against the run. And now this defensive line, maybe one of the biggest strengths on this football team. I mean, time will tell exactly. But this defense, I mean, they've done a really big 180 this offseason with it. Uh, they were ranked 31st. I'm making a bold prediction saying they finish at least in the top 10 on defense. Uh, early prediction on your end, where do they finish? I think they're going to be top 15. I'm not quite ready to give them top 10, um, but I definitely think they're going to be top 15. And frankly, all we need is like a top 20 um, <laughs> with Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah. you know, I'm, obviously we're going to win the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just, it's so clear. Uh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, you know, the one thing will be um, secondary. I mean, I really love Kendall Fuller. I like Sashad Breland. I think Trevarius Ward is a good good kid. He's shown flashes. Um, I forgot about this until today, but uh, Keith Reeser, we have him, and he was great in the AAF. So I think there's pieces there. Um, and I really, really like what they're doing, and I definitely think we're looking at top 15. Last question, a uh, very important question I actually wanted to ask you. Have you seen Avengers Endgame yet? I have not, so no spoilers, please. <laughs> no, uh, my husband's out of town, <laughs> so I can't go. <laughs> uh, Lashawn McCoy, just avoid his Twitter. Um, let me ask you this: What do you think the plot is about? Uh, I don't. I don't know. The underdogs fighting back against bad guys. <laughs> I, I mean, if you're one of those crazy people like me that watches the trailers hundreds of times. You will not. You will not see that plot coming. I was. I was pretty blown away. I like the writing in that. I think you're going to really enjoy. It. When are you going to see it? I don't know. Probably. Probably this next week. Sometime if we can find a cheap, you know, Tuesday night five dollar movie. I always. I'm a cheap person. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Uh, look, I mean, I have to at least talk something positive because ninety percent of this conversation was. Uh, terrible stuff. But hey, look, uh, we'll bring you back on sometime and hopefully we can talk more football the entire time. Uh, Ellen Mathis joining me here on the Chiefstone Podcast. Give her a follow on Twitter at Ellen underscore Tolzma. Again, that's spelled T-O-L-S-M-A. Check her workout at arrowheadaddict.com. Ellen, I appreciate you making time for us here on the podcast and uh, we'll have you on again soon. Great. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Ellen. Take care. Big thanks to Ellen Mathis from ArrowheadAddict.com joining us here on the podcast. Uh, by the way, I have to chuckle a little bit. She mentioned Keith Reeser and how he was in the AAF. Uh, and we talked about Keith Reeser and his uh, run in the AAF. AAF. Uh, I switched with ABC, ESPN, and NFL Network. NFL Network ran a commercial during the draft of the Flag Football League, which I recall seeing last year. This flag football league is about to start another season. I don't know if this is their second season, but I have seen at least one season from them. So I know there's going to be at least a second season of flag football, of a flag football league. There is a second season of a flag football league, but the AAF cannot even complete their their inaugural season. That's that's sad, man. (laughs) How does that happen? (laughs) I don't know how that happens. Uh, by the way, I meant to mention this because this has been, I mean, this the, the, the mood has been pretty damp. 
uh, because of Tyreek Hill. But I did see Avengers Endgame. No spoilers. No spoilers. But as I told Ellen, if if you're like me and there's a movie you're really excited for and you watch the trailer at least once before you go to bed like I did, there is no way in hell you can see that plot coming. I mean, I, I love good writing in movies and TV shows, man. I really do. And the way they did it, you're going to love it. Um, I mean, it, it's funny, the spectacle for this movie. I know they're already breaking records. I mean, there are articles with mild spoilers that tell you when to use the restroom because it's a three-hour movie. And look, there are some people who have to go at least one and a half, every one and a half hours. I mean, some people have that issue. Some don't. Um, me personally, I was like, I do not want to eat nothing. I don't want to drink nothing in fear that I might need to use the restroom. I, I want to see this movie from beginning to end. Uh, so, uh, you're going to love it, man. If you have, by, by the way, um, for people who want to see it, but if you haven't seen the other movies from the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the MCU, do not watch this. You have to see all 20 or 21 movies Leading up to this. I know that sounds like a lot. But please take my advice on that. You have to see everything leading up to that. It's pretty cool. It really is. Um, I hope you've been able to avoid spoilers. Just make sure you are not following LaShawn McCoy. Because he is being a jerk about that whole thing right now. Not cool. Uh, but man, that movie's awesome. It really is. So uh, if you're... Let me say this. I was not into the whole superhero themed movies. I started in July. I watched Iron Man, the first one, because my brother told me I need to get into it. And I did. And I got hooked, man. And I quickly caught up all the way. In fact, my brother was kind enough to wait for me to catch up with him. So we started watching phase three of the um, MCU. It's fun. You're going to love it quite a lot. Yeah, you'll enjoy it. I caught up in three months. And waiting for the next movie really sucked. It really did. So make sure you do watch all the movies. Uh, if you don't want to rent them all online, all I can say is wait for December because Disney Plus is coming out. By the way, we've never discussed this. Um, there are so many streaming services coming out now. ESPN recently launched ESPN Plus. Now we have Disney Plus coming out. Disney owns ESPN. I'm wondering if... And now look, we're going to see a lot of old classic Disney movies on Disney Plus. Disney owns Marvel, so we're probably going to see a lot of Marvel movies on Disney Plus, which is going to be pretty cool. Uh, but I'm kind of wondering, because Disney owns ESPN, is there going to be any sports element to this? And if there is, ESPN now has streaming platforms on two different services, ESPN Plus and Disney Plus. And we talked about this about a month ago. The direction of where live television is going with people cutting the cord and all these streaming services that are coming up here. Uh, what does that mean for ESPN? Again, I, I'm speculating here. I, I I don't know all the details to Disney Plus, but again, Disney owns ESPN. So I imagine there's going to be something, some sort of a sports element to Disney Plus. And if that's the case, ESPN, I mean, people are going to be paying st- streaming services if they do, to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, and there might be the same content on both, yet you're paying for it still. Monthly. So I'm not sure exactly how that's going to go. But I'd be very curious to follow up on that. 
But again, uh, if you want to catch up and you don't want to rent all the movies, uh, I think they're all going to be available on Disney+. And I believe that is set to launch in December. I'll tell you what, man. I, I have to actually cancel my UFC Fight Pass because I, I have Sirius XM. I have Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu. Uh, I did get ESPN Plus when the UFC started airing their fights on there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you've got to you, you got to pick and choose your battles at some point with these kinds of things. I did mention ending on a positive note. Now, to some people, this might not be positive. Patrick Mahomes is on the cover of Madden 20, EA Sports Madden 20, which is awesome. I'll just say this right now. By the way, Tom Brady tweeted saying, now nah, we broke the curse because there was an article about this right away. There is no curse, man. It's just a coincidence. In fact, I don't have all the Madden cover boys memorized, but there is an article out there that shows, okay, yeah, sure, the first few consecutively, yeah, they they were all quote-unquote cursed. But eventually this snapped and we actually saw people players on the cover that actually had very good seasons. So, I mean, what? Does winning a Super Bowl mean, or does, excuse me, not winning a Super Bowl mean you're cursed if you're on Madden? I, I don't know. Because we've we've seen teams reach the playoffs, but they lose to a 9-7 and team and people go, oh, Madden cover curse, that's what happened. I don't know. I don't agree with that. Um, <laughs> but Patrick Mahomes is on the cover of Madden 20. And listen... These kinds of stuff, uh, say what you want about curses, but it's positive PR type of article. It just is. So I think that's good to see. I think Patrick Mahomes deserves that, and uh, it's it's cool to see. Patrick obviously had a phenomenal year, and he's uh, uh, an article posted recently. I believe he's fifth in the NFL in jersey sales, and uh, Travis Kelsey is 21st in jersey sales. I was expecting... Kareem Hunt and Tyree Kill to be on that list? Oddly enough, I guess, not the case. But hey, I think it's cool to have a guy from your favorite team, a guy who is a, probably, I mean, not probably, he is the fan favorite. He's 99% of Chiefs fans' favorite player on the team. He's going to be on the front cover of Madden. Not the first time the Chiefs have had a Madden cover boy. Uh, Peyton Hillis, if you remember, he was on the cover of Madden in 20, 2011, I think. I want to say that was the year. Uh, he ended up being let go by the Browns that year because he had a bad season. And uh, he made a comment saying he'd rather be in law enforcement. Use his degree in that, which was kind of funny. But uh, he actually joined the Chiefs the following year um, as the Madden cover boy from the previous season. Uh, so not the first active Chief, but a Chief uh, has been on the cover of Madden before. But this is the first active Chief to be on the cover so that's very cool to see appreciate you guys joining in and listening to this episode a very long one i know it's not one we wanted to have uh unfortunately we have we've had these kinds of podcasts had it before with kareem hunt uh i was not podcasting the year the javon belcher incident happened but i was writing for bleacher report and i'll tell you what i mean covering the chiefs that weekend writing about sports just didn't feel right um, but these things happen sometimes in sports. Uh, long, long episode, I know. I appreciate you guys, once again, uh, bearing with me and listening to all of this. I appreciate Ellen Mathis for joining me on this episode. Hopefully we can bring her back and talk this time all football with her the entire time. But uh, we'll see what happens with Tyreek Hill. We will follow up with that. Uh, 
I'm not exactly sure when another episode will be out, probably Wednesday or Thursday, just bear with me on that, but before Friday, we will have uh, another episode out. We will do the closing segments for sure on that, and we'll recap more of the NFL draft outside of Kansas City, plus Nashville had the NFL draft. If Kansas City gets an NFL draft, where should the draft take place? I have a couple of options in mind. I want to hear your thoughts as well. You can discuss that on the Facebook page. My name is Farzi Vasugan. Big thanks to all of you once again for listening and to Ellen Mathis coming on. I will talk to you later in the week. Until then, social media, subscribe, share the links. Talk to you later.